to tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com and also on podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a bunch of other locations that folks have linked us to. Hey, thanks for doing that. I really do appreciate that. Um, you know, I don't know of all of the podcasting sites there are. And uh, as you um, hear this program and you find it interesting and you want to share it with other people, please go for it. Uh, we want to get the word out that we are having people on this program who are sharing their ideas, their ways of doing things, their new ways of doing things in terms of making this a better life and a better world for themselves. There was nothing wrong with that, but also for everyone else. And that's the reason why they come on this program to talk about that. We certainly hope that you are enjoying the programs. And if so, and you'd like to become a part of what we're doing, please, 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 please uh, do us a favor and uh, if you can support us, we would be gratefully appreciative of that. We have a PayPal and Patreon account, and uh, we look forward to uh, 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 to your support in that regard financially. If uh, you can just send us energetic healing or energetic support, hey, we will take that as well. We are going to be talking today with a gal who we've had on the program before. And apparently it's uh, what we talked about the last time has worked so well. We decided to have her back. What is it that's worked so well? Breathing. Oh, we talked about the little book of breathing with Catherine Kerrigan. And she is back with us to talk about how to read the soul. And uh, Catherine, thank you so much for rejoining us here on the program. It's great to have you with us here in 2020, the year of perfect vision. Thank you so much, Richard Dugan, for having me. And thank you, everybody out there for listening. You know, uh, when we started this campaign back in September about 2020, the year of perfect vision, we were talking, of course, about inner vision. And of course, that's what we're going to talk about today, reading the soul. And this is something uh, that people can learn to do through this work. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. All right. We're going to get into that and how to do that. Uh, and this is a tough question for anybody to answer. Um, but obviously you've had to deal with the, with the, with the question of what is the soul? Where is it? Uh, uh, what does it consist of? Uh, you know, and, and what's, what's really going on in that regard with who and what we are? What a wonderful question, Richard Dugan. Well, what I would say is your soul is who you really are. Your soul is the timeless aspect of you. It's the part of you that will never die. The part of you that has been here multiple lifetimes. The part of you that has chosen your current life experience. The part of you that has chosen even the people and events that you're going to experience in this lifetime. So your soul is timeless, purposeful, and when you really get in touch with your soul and live from the soul perspective, you can really be in a state of bliss, I believe. Is 
and 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 that's a an interesting place uh, that we want to talk about too because when I was going through some personal growth programs back in the 80s early 90s as probably most people were um uh, th- you know, you'd sit there and, and they would be kind of querying you, challenging you, questioning you. And sometimes you'd come up. I, I, I don't I, I don't know. I, I'm just so I'm I'm so confused. And their response to that was, oh, so you're in the state of confusion. Well, that's a comfortable place to be, but it's really not going to serve you. But what about the state of bliss? What is that? What a wonderful question. Well, I, I want to back up for our audience so that you can follow me. So I'm a medical intuitive healer. Mm-hmm. And when I read a person, I read what's going on on the physical level, the energetic level, the emotional level, the mental level, and the spiritual level. And I'm getting to your question about what is bliss. So... <clears throat> My latest book, my 10th book, is called Reading the Soul, and it's about what's going on at the soul level. So in my view, the state of bliss is what happens when you live your life from the soul perspective. And um, I've taught yoga for 25 years. Many of your listeners are probably big fans of yoga. And in yoga... They call your spiritual body, the soul, which is what we were talking about, they call that the Ananda Maya Kosha. And your Ananda Maya Kosha, that's roughly translated as the body of bliss. So when you learn to see everything that's happening from this soul perspective, then, you know, there is no wrong, there are no mistakes, nothing even really needs to be forgiven because you're living on purpose and when you are living from this soul perspective it is possible to let go of the perceived hurts and slings and arrows that the ego is always you know seeing in the world around us and you know really having an experience where you feel a deep sense of centering Um, And again, a deep sense of being on purpose and a deep sense of oneness and connectedness from all that is. And in my view, that's what I call a blissful experience. Is that a place that we, A, want to reside in constantly, or is that a place that we want to go to on a shall we say regular basis um in in that we will enjoy it more if we have the comparison to not being in a blissful state what a great question richard dugan i just really love your questions and um first of all what i would say is when you can connect with your spiritual self and when you can connect to the sense of oneness, the sense of all that is. You know, some people call that God. You know, it. What you 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 feel very comforted. You feel supported. You feel guided. You have a tangible experience of all the unconditional love that's here, 24/7, supporting you. And by you, I mean everybody listening to this broadcast. So it makes you know the rest of life very you know. 
it, it makes the rest of life purposeful and meaningful and helps us to give a, a deeper understanding about what's happening. At the same time, you know, I'm saying all this, I'm a very practical person. I have investments, I have paid my taxes. <laughs> I live in the real world, I help people, I, you know, put gas in my car and, you know, my Prius. And um, so, so to answer your question, I think the more time that we can spend on a regular basis connecting to this soul, the, the easier life is. And, you know, just as we're talking about this, um, one of my clients in another country was suicidal earlier this week. And suicide is one of the top 10 leading causes of death. And the thing is, is that we're all going to die sooner or later. It's, you know, even us health nuts, it's going to happen. <laughs> right? Yep. So, you know, but some people feel the need to speed up, you know, the the process of death. And, you know, I feel that when we can have this spiritual connection, it really sustains you. And there are times in life that we go through such major challenges that unless you have a strong spiritual connection, it's very difficult to get through. Well, I've shared with our listeners many times before that my father always taught me, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. And I've shared this also, that if today is my day, if the departure date and time on my ticket in and out of this world is today, I'm good. There's a lot more I still want to do. But how do we utilize this reading of the soul, shall we say, to come, to, I want to dive into this just for a few moments, to come to grips with, to put into proper perspective this fear we have over, and I like to call it, uh, um, transitioning or dying. Uh, people are, so, many, many people are so afraid of the unknown. And quite honestly, I, I've been asked many times by people who are so afraid because they, they don't know. And I, I, they ask me and I say, well, okay, first of all, I don't know. What I believe is, if this is an accident, if, if there is no meaning to life, and after this life it's lights out, I'm not going to know it anyway. So it won't make any difference. But I choose to believe that there, this is not an accident. Life does have meaning and that there is something after this. Uh, and, and I think it's something really cool and it's really good. And I think that uh, uh, we will learn a whole lot from that experience. But what can you tell us about this process of reading the soul that might be able to facilitate, if not minimizing, alleviating this fear that most people have? Another amazing question. Well, you know, I, I think there are certain fears that are just very common to, you know, being alive, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fear of death, fear of, in, you know, being injured, fear of aging. These are all very common fears. However, what I would say is that 100% of the time you are a soul. And 100% of the time you are actually a soul having a human experience. And I think that the more that you can connect to that, 
that soul of who you are, you can see everything from that perspective. And, um, and, and perhaps realize that you, you will continue. Um, you know, I, I can share with your audience a somewhat unusual story. So um, it related to this question. So years ago, um, I had a friend and he came to me for healing work and he'd been doing too many steroids. And I was like, you absolutely have to stop the steroids. If you don't, you're going to kill yourself, right? So I, I think I saw him. He came to me as a client on a Friday. Well, any rate, this is an interesting story. So Monday morning, I was in I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and there was very heavy rains, and my phone stopped working. And um, you know how can that be? Well, exactly. Anyway, my phone stopped working. And apparently, um, while my phone was stopped working, my friend kept calling me. And it's like, please, will you go with me to the hospital? Well, anyway, he went to the hospital. And while he was in the hospital, he had a stroke. And then he was comatose for a while. And then he eventually died. Well, I went into meditation and during this time and... His soul asked me to sort of accompany him on part of his journey. And so I, 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 while I was with him, we visited Anderson, South Carolina. I live in Atlanta. I've never been to Anderson, South Carolina. But I understood that was where he grew up. And then, you know, I went a little bit farther with him. And then we parted ways. I think we parted ways before his soul actually crossed over to the other side. Um, but again, I just share that. Um, I, I think that many people who have gone through that near death experience and come back, you know, always speak of the other side as being this place of great peace and unconditional love. And it helps to get perspective on what their life has actually been about. So, well, I, I know too that that that's one of the keys that a lot of folks talk about. That our physical ailments, our 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 issues that we're dealing with in that regard, are based in a lot of the beliefs that we have gathered uh, since we entered this world. And f- some folks find it very difficult to let those go. Not. Because they um, don't want to be relieved of these diseases, if you will, but because they've become comfortable, if you will, in the in the fear, in the angst, in the anguish uh, of those beliefs, right? Absolutely. Well, and to put this in perspective, Richard Dugan, so let me give for your audience, this is my understanding, not that I'm right. I may be wrong, not that I know anything, because I probably don't know anything. But it's my understanding, first of all, that, again, your soul, and your soul controls your mind, your mind controls your emotions, your emotions controls your energy system, and your energy system controls your physical level. So I'm a medical intuitive healer all day long, every day. I talk to people about not only what is wrong, but what will work to make you better. 
So when you suffer from dis-ease or illness, everything is happening all the time on all five levels. It's happening, you may notice it when it gets to the physical level, but it's also been happening in the energetic level, which includes your chakras, your acupuncture system, and the breath. It's happening in the emotional level. So there's always an emotional component to any disease. And the emotional part, your, your emotional body is the largest part of you. And then there's your mind, your thoughts, and your beliefs, which is what you just asked me about. And finally, there's what's going on on the soul level. So many of us, so, you know, to answer your question, many of us are very much wedded to our story. We think we're right. So if you think you're fat, dumb, and stupid, you're right. If you think you're beautiful, timeless, and powerful, you're right. So what you hold in mind, you absolutely manifest. And if what you happen to be manifesting is not an experience of your liking, if you're suffering from illness, if you're suffering from disease, one of the places to actually look at is what am I holding in mind? What are my beliefs that are manifesting this particular situation? And, you know, our ego is very, has a very strong grip on all of us, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, you know, are very wedded to the concept of three-dimensional reality. And again, I'm a practical person. I have no debt. I <laughs> I wash my car. I pay my taxes, right? <laughs> you know, I vacuum my house. But at the same time, when you really understand that your soul is controlling what's happening on the m- mental level, you can shift what's happening when you see what's happening from a larger perspective. And I know too that uh, as we as we go through these various stages in our lives, for that matter, uh, we revisit them. Um, I, I have noticed uh, that in my fifties, and I'm just about done with those, about ready to crumple up that chapter of the book and toss it in the trash. Uh, but it hadn't been a bad ten years. It's been a good 10 years. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've had a good time uh, living here in Santa Barbara and doing these radio programs, talking with people such as yourself. And yet I take a look at where I'm headed. I'm headed into the 60s, whatever that means. You know, I mean, this is, of course, the chronological aspect. And yet uh, my soul, if you will, my essence says I'm 17. But my essence also says, but your body is not. So be careful. <laughs> be careful. Yes. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, it says, but that does not mean that you cannot still do some of the things that you used to do when you were 17. You just have to take a different tack. You have to go at it from a different angle. Uh, as I've always uh, said, there's always a workaround. And if it takes me a little longer to do something, at least I'm still doing it. And I know that for a lot of people, that's the, the, the biggest challenge for them but one of the challenges that we put forth to folks, uh, Catherine, and I would like for you to talk about this, is the challenge. And this is this is part of of um, what I have. This is what I've surmised. I, I could be wrong, but it's just my impression. Jesus was talking or was was uh, meeting with his disciples and he was doing all these crazy things over here in the corner with his magic and what have you. Right. And 
the disciples were looking on and going, wow, that's that's pretty neat. Hey, uh, Master, could you um, could you teach us to do that stuff? To, you know, tell us the secrets of that magic trick? And he says, are you kidding me? Says, Absolutely. But let me just tell you first, you think this is something? You guys are going to do greater works than this. And I think the greater work, Catherine, is the transforming of one's own life, finding one's life's purpose. How do we start to read our own soul to understand, to begin to look at those possibilities that maybe we never even considered or even knew were possible? Right. Okay, great. Another great question, Richard Dugan. So first of all, you know, there's really three stages on your soul path. The first is when you're unconscious. And by unconscious, I mean that you're not really aware of yourself as a soul. So if you're a little kid wandering around playing tiddlywinks, riding your bicycle, you're just enjoying being fully alive, but you're not necessarily connected to the fact that you are a soul. The next stage is when you're awakening, which is where you're discovering that in fact you are a soul and that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're in the process of really waking up to your soul purpose. And what I find for myself is sometimes there are these little glimpses where it's almost like the curtain gets lifted up and you realize that there's a larger factor at play. Um, I can give some examples of this. Um, about two years ago, we had a snowy uh, um, day in Atlanta. And in Atlanta, when it snows, the whole city shuts down, right? And so I remember my guidance told me to clear off the snow on my steps. And I lived my whole life prayerfully by guidance. So I cleared off the snow. And being that I couldn't go anywhere, I thought, well, I'll just get in my hot tub. So I was sitting in my hot tub. And I kid you not, Richard, I only had time to shut my eyes. And literally an entire tree fell right smack dab on my head. <laughs> and the, my first thought was like, wow, what a miracle. How did I not die, right? Like this tree was so big, a friend came over later on, and he and I worked. It took six hours to get this tree out of the hot tub. But it was like, oh, my God, I could have been knocked unconscious. I could have drowned in my own hot tub. You know, how did this not happen, right? So sometimes we have these little glimpses where you realize, and again, by you, I'm talking about everybody's listening to this broadcast, that you're under some sort of divine protection, that you're under some sort of divine guidance, that you're divinely led. It's sort of like, how did I meet that person? How did I end up here? Wow, when you really look back and see how the threads of your life to connect. So when you're awakening, you're realizing that there's this larger purpose at life, in life, and that you're going to survive everything that happens to you until you don't. And then again, when you're conscious, you've discovered your soul purpose and are taking your taking action to fulfill it. So, for example, for myself, my life is all about healing, and I write about healing. I write about natural healing. Like, how do you heal yourself naturally? 
Uh, I come from a medical family. My brother's a doctor. My dad's a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. My great-grandfather was a doctor. My uncle was a doctor. We like doctors. We respect doctors. And I talk about what you can do and how you can heal yourself naturally. So I've discovered my soul purpose. So to answer your question, how do you discover your soul purpose? Well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to listen to your soul. And the way you listen to your soul is by paying attention to how your soul communicates to you. Now, some people call this psychic gifts, right? But it's my view as a medical intuitive healer with 26 years full-time experience in natural healing that because you are a soul, your soul is always trying to communicate to you. And I, I say that God only has to hit you over the head like it did with me in the hot tub that day, <laughs> that <laughs> when you're not paying attention, right? Mm. So there's four primary ways of soul communication. Psychic knowing, which is claircognizance, that's my gift. Clairaudience, which is psychic hearing. And if this is your gift, then you receive information in the form of word, sound, and vibration. Clairsentience, which is psychic feeling. Clairvoyance, which is psychic vision. So part of the way you discover your soul purpose is by spending time in quiet, whether this be meditation, prayer, walking in nature, where you're connecting to your own soul so that you can actually hear the messages that you receive. And if you're clairvoyant, you may get a picture. So, and this could be a simple picture. It could be, you know, these are the colors you need to work, to wear today. Or it could be a picture of a vision, like you need to go to this place and work with this sort of, these people and do this work. You may get a feeling and, you know, there's great, you know, much great advice about paying attention to the energy around you because vibes do not lie. So you're paying attention to, you know, where you're sensing an inner resistance, where the energy sense seems to open up, where the path seems easiest. And um, when you are clairaudient, you will hear it, literally. And the common challenge when you're clairaudient is to mis frequently mistake it to your being your own thoughts. But when you keep getting a message over and over and over again, and it's a persistent message, and it's positive, and it's uplifting, and it you know imbues you with joy, that's your soul speaking. Your soul is not scary. And finally, when you have my gift, which is psychic knowing, you'll just know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. This is where I need to be. These are the people that I need to talk to. You know, I don't know why, but I have to be at this place. You know, I don't know why, but I have to go where I have to go. Right. Yeah. I, and, and I think that uh, I have the, uh, the knowing and the feeling because I've had uh, experiences where I get this impression and it's, it's telling me to do a particular thing. And I've had this experience years ago where I didn't. And I kept on going my way. And this, it got stronger and strong, And I couldn't ignore it. It was like, okay, it, it's only going to go away if I turn around, go back the other way, and do what it's asking me to do. Which I did. Now, I don't know why. And in most cases, 
the why is an irrelevant question because, <laughs> because uh, you know, the whole point in my perspective, Catherine, is if you're going to listen, if you're going to see, hear, feel and know from that soul space, that higher self, if you will, uh, then you need to be willing to trust and follow. Uh, I, I, I jokingly say that if you're if you're going to listen but not follow, why listen? I mean, just shut it off, which yeah. we can't do. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is this impression stayed with me for 10 or 15 minutes, and I, I finally turned around and I went the other direction, and it went away. I don't know, I don't know if I avoided an accident or, or what, or if it was just one of those, we're just going to see if you really... If you really believe and trust in what you're being told. Now, you made a very interesting point about the voice, if you're, if Claire audience. And I've heard, I've, I've been challenged on this in the past, that there are people out there who hear all kinds of voices in their heads. Mm -hmm. And that is true. The question, though, is, are they discerning enough to know where those voices are coming from as to whether or not those are voices they want to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is, shall we say, the quintessential test? Because we have that right. We have free will. And mm-hmm. if we're not certain, and this is the reason why I think a lot of people, they go to, for example, mediums and psychics and so forth. It's not so much for them to reveal to the person what they don't know. They know this stuff. I look at it as I go to a medium or an intuitive or a psychic, a card reader, whatever it might, might be, just to get confirmation of what I already know. So how do we get confirmation that the voice we're hearing is the one we really should be listening to and following. That's our higher self. That's our soul, etc. Because you'll know it's right. <laughs> ah, it's that inner knowing. And we yes, know, we know that we have to take a quick break here. We'll continue that thought, okay? As we come back with Catherine Kerrigan. She is the author of Reading the Soul. She's written 10 books, and she's a medium. She's a medical intuitive healer, Amazon number one best-selling author, as well as the host of her own radio program. It's called The Natural Healing Show for the UK Health Radio. And we're going to continue talking with her and talking more about this whole aspect of health well, health and wellness, if you will, from the, the spiritual or soul level. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story during 2020, the year of perfect vision. And I certainly hope that you will take the time to spend some time, some quiet time, even if it's just five minutes. As a matter of fact, uh, many times on this program, you're going to hear a couple of one-minute meditations, short little things. You don't have to take very long. It's just a one-minute little thing that we're going to play for you here, and you're going to enjoy this, I think, over the course of the coming weeks and months, and we're going to upgrade them and update them and so forth to give you some guidance and some support in that regard of in regards to going within and and listening to and following that still small voice that wants nothing but the best for you and we will be back on tell me your story
And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I am Richard Dugan, along with Catherine Kerrigan, and we're talking about her latest work, of course, Soul, uh, Reading the Soul. Uh, Catherine Kerrigan is my guest. She is a medical intuitive. And and, and you said early in the program, Catherine, that uh, this is always on, 24-7 for you. Um, is, is, that, is that something that you've just chosen to let just to let run wild, so to speak, so to speak, um, or are there ways for you to, so to speak, um, how do I say, turn the volume down a little bit so that you can, <laughs> you can focus on, uh, Catherine from time to time. Oh, a- another great question. Well, you know, when I'm doing a medical intuitive reading, it literally is a matter of focus because people will go, well, how do you do that? Well, you know, I literally focus on someone. So after later this afternoon, I'll work with two people remotely. Uh, one is in this country, one is in a foreign country. So it's literally just a matter of focus. So if I'm not focusing on reading the person for their highest good, then I'm, you know, focusing on living my life, whether it's walking my dog or exercising or practicing yoga or meditating, or praying, or, you know, just having fun with my boyfriend, right? Just living life, right? But your mind is very powerful, and where wherever you put your intent, your focus is where you go, right? And many people are not actually aware of where they're placing their mind. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And we already, we've heard the expression on what you focus on expands, right? But many people are not, you know, you're really not paying attention to what am I focusing on? If you're focusing on how badly you hurt and how much pain and suffering there is in the world, you're just going to experience more of that. But, you know, if you've been to my website, KatherineKerrigan.com, you know that I'm obsessed with orchids and I'm really obsessed with the beauty in the world. And I live in the same world that everybody else does. But what I see is a beautiful place. And so you can experience more of that beauty and that transcendence simply by focusing on that. And that, of course, as we have been saying, is what we want people to do. We're encouraging people to do that here this year in particular, 2020, the year of perfect vision. Um, that's really what what we've been focusing on for years on this program, even beyond that, for years on many of the programs uh, and interviews that I've done uh, since uh, 1979, 1980, that um, this is so vital. The answers are within us, and, and, and we, yet we keep being told they're not. They're outside of us, that we have to go to someone else or someplace else or something else. And... and uh, I think that the, 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 the danger in that, not that that's a terrible thing, mind you, but the danger in that is that we then get caught up intellectually and emotionally in the outside world, and then we neglect that inner world. Uh, and, and the beautiful thing about that inner world, uh, as I mentioned earlier about, you know, you get a ticket, that's a round-trip ticket when you come into this world. Now, the, the arrival has already been stamped because, boom, here you are. You don't know when the departure is. Well, uh, when it comes to uh, the inner world, there are no arrival or departure stamps on your ticket. You get to go anytime you want, and literally you you could conceivably go anywhere you want, right? Yes, for sure. 
Talk to us about that, that uh, that inner travel to places, literally places unknown because we we haven't done it. Well, so, you know, I, I think that if you a really good thing, place to start is with prayer and meditation. Literally, the moment I open my eyes, I start praying, you know, and my personal mantra is the Lord's Prayer. And I use the Lord's Prayer kind of like an attunement. So I'll start by saying the Lord's Prayer, and most of us know the words of the Lord's Prayer. But if I start stumbling over the words, then I know I'm not in complete alignment. So I keep repeating the Lord's Prayer in my own mind until I can say the words, you know, and they all flow out easily. Mm-hmm. And then I know that I'm kind of online. So just like if you get on a, any browser on the Internet, you know, you're either offline or you're online. But you, when you're online, you can go wherever you need to go. And if you begin your day with prayer and, and uh, meditation and, you know, one of the things about the Lord's Prayer, there is a statement in there. Thy will, not my will be done. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you align your will with divine will then you are naturally led where you need to go. The people who need to be in your life show up and you show up for them. And you're naturally guided in everything that you do. And when you live your life from that perspective, then you can experience synchronicity and miracles on an ongoing daily basis. It's just a matter of really literally setting your intention you know, to align your own will with divine will and then allowing yourself to be led to where you need to go, to what you need to do, to hear what you need to hear and to say what you need to say. And yet there is a little bit of a paradox there in that we have free will to do whatever it is that we want to do, as you've just uh, just spoken about. And yet at the same time, this 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 goes to an analogy that I've used many times where there is a person who's walking in the middle of a meadow and they're, they're in deep contemplation and they're muttering to themselves, I just want to do God's will, I just want to do God's will. And if you could hold your personal will in your hands, that's what this person's doing. And they toss it in the air as high as they can. And God, the Creator, is, is watching. Tears rolling down God's face as, he, as God catches that person's will. And while the tears are flowing, and oh my gosh, one of my own creation wants to do my will. It's compressing that person's personal will down into the size of a baseball and then hurls it back at that person like a 90 mile an hour rolling Nolan Ryan fastball. <laughs> Hits that person square in the head and then says to them, then do something with the life I gave you. You are not a puppet on a string being manipulated by forces you do not understand. So how do we intellectually and maybe we can't but i'll put the question anyway how do we intellectually um, come to grips with the aspect of having free will and then choosing to turn it over to that higher power let's just say that we could flip a switch and say I am personally flipping this switch. I'm taking my free will and I'm turning it over to the higher power. And I will no longer, my ego will no longer have any choice in the matter. I will automatically follow the promptings of that inner voice. 
Well, I would sort of simplify it for your audience with a single word, and that word is responsibility. Now, for some people, if you say the word responsibility, it's like, oh my God, another thing on my to-do list, right? You know, uh, more responsibility, more things to do. But if you break that word down, responsibility, it's able to respond. And when you're able to respond, you're able to respond to whatever is in your life in that moment, right? Whether you're driving down the street and suddenly there's a car wreck or whether you go home at the end of the day and your spouse asks for a divorce or whether you're living your life as best you can and suddenly one of your children receives a terminal diagnosis. So when you're able to respond, you're, you are, allow yourself to be fully present in your life and are able to respond to everything that happens to you, staying grounded in your body, uh, knowing that you're guided, and using the intellect that you've been blessed with for your own highest good. Hmm. Well, good advice, and uh, it, it is, again, it's something that we're, we're, uh, we are in charge of in that respect. And yet there are those who would tell us, uh, right, Catherine, that... There is, uh, you know, there are prophecies and there's a, a certain element of predestination. And so, well, if there's any level of predestination, then there is no free will. We don't have any choice in the matter, which means that there is no meaning to life. And there's no reason for me to even bother looking for my life's purpose because my life's purpose is, you know, whatever I'm doing at any given moment, regardless, because it doesn't matter anymore, Right. I mean, we're, we've become we become those very puppets, you know, that I referred to uh, earlier. That that we're just being manipulated, and you know, we're just kind of we're on a track, and we can't get off of it. Right. And my response is, if you are thinking that way, which is a very pessimistic, disconnected feeling, then you've disconnected from who you really are. And I feel that when you, again, going back to what I'm saying is, when you realize that you are a soul having a human experience, even if you haven't discovered your soul purpose, and you're open to the possibility of, you know, having this bigger picture and a bigger purpose for your life, then um, everything becomes much more meaningful. And it's a lot easier to withstand the inevitable hardships of life. And, um, you know, one of the chapters in my book, uh, Reading the Soul, I talk about, uh, there's a medieval book called The Cloud of Unknowing. And The Cloud of Unknowing basically says that you can't, you have to have a direct experience of the divine. In other words, it's, although we can talk about it and intellectualize it, it's best experienced, right? And you may have this feeling of oneness in very simple ways when, you know, maybe you're watching a child be born and it's like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Or you wake up early and watch the sunrise and go, oh my gosh, we live on such a beautiful planet. Or when you watch people come together for a common purpose, right? Whether it's, you know, all the people in Australia coming together to try and do what they can to preserve the wildlife, to preserve their land, right? 
So it's it's these times when, again, it's almost like the curtain gets lifted and you see that this larger purpose is at hand. But I think that disconnected thinking is the sort of thinking that ultimately leads people to this feeling of hopelessness and, you know, and, and disconnect from their own purpose. Mm. And it's a very depressing, anxiety-inducing way of thinking. Yeah. And, and I certainly can understand why they might because, you know, of, of the fact that they've gotten wrapped up in a lot of the minutiae, as I like to call it, uh, of, uh, of the material world, of the outside world, instead of focusing on that inner world, which would, in a matter of speaking, keep them, keep them safe, if you will, and or protected from all of that stuff that really, in the grand scheme of things... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's holding what office or who's running what business or who's doing what to whom. In 10,000 years, none of this is going to matter. It's going to be really irrelevant. Now, that's not to say, again, that our lives don't have meaning. They do, and that we should be about doing the right thing, right? But, but at the same time, it is that higher life, that inner life, if you will, that makes all the difference in the world. And uh, it's, it's even sort of reinforced even in, in many ancient wisdom teachings, but uh, like, for example, in the Bible, that, that it's always discuss, talking about that inner world, that inner prayer life, uh, that, that going within to hear the still small voice, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, in spite of the fact that, yeah, there are a few rules laid down, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar and unto God what is God, what is God's. Uh, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that, that uh, everybody's grappling with right now. And I'm sure that people that come to you, they're grappling with it too, aren't they? For sure. You know, we have to remember that the largest cult in the world is difficult. <laughs> I like I'll that. Again, the largest cult in the world is difficult. So if you believe that it's difficult to get help, well, it's difficult to be healthy, it's difficult to be rich, it's difficult to make a living, what you believe is what you are going to manifest. Mm. And, you know, this is not namby-pamby thinking, because I also teach people, how do you see the shadow? You know, how do you look for, you know, what really could get you, right? Yeah. But, you know, when when you're stuck in your pain body then you are stuck living this, you know, experience of difficult. And when you're stuck in your light body, again, things literally lighten up, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is kind of fun being human. It's kind of a beautiful place, right? There's some kind of amazing people out there. You know, there's some kind of interesting things to learn about, right? And it's kind of a miracle how it all works, right? You get up in the morning, the sun rises. You didn't tell the sun what to do. It just did it. Yeah. Well, and and uh, I, I have a little 90-second um, announcement within the broadcast uh, on the radio station that talks about how, you know, again, we're, you know, we're encouraging people to go within, uh, you know, and trying to make this a better place. That's not to say that this is a bad place. It's pretty terrific. I mean, it's pretty miraculous on the one hand that I'm living in considerably one of the most expensive places on the planet to live. And yet I'm doing it. I'm, I've been here 14 years. I'm not making an exorbitant amount of money here. 
I'd love to, but that's not my goal per se, although I'm hoping that that changes. But the point is, this is a, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible that I finally made it to the water, you know, to the ocean's edge. And I'm living here and I'm feeling it and so forth. And I'm also living in the mountains above Santa Barbara and living a rather rural, um, semi-primitive life. You know, we have running water and electricity, but you know what I'm saying. And um, I want to talk a little bit about the natural world. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're talking with uh, Catherine Kerrigan, and her latest work is called Reading Reading Your Soul. She does have a website. You betcha she does. It's called katherinekerrigan.com. And one of the things that I found so interesting uh, as I'm on this right now is you have on your homepage all these beautiful pictures of orchids and various other nature scenes. Absolutely gorgeous. But when you hover over each one of them, it's a different blog. And the first one that I came across, the latest one that you have posted, I believe, February 3rd of 2020, why narcissists can't be healed. Now, I want to take that one step further I, I because I want to talk about this a little bit as well, but I also want to talk about the natural world and and uh, uh, and, and I will get into that. But I did an interview not too long ago with a gentleman who wrote a book about psychopaths and sociopaths. Mm-hmm. Now, this was rather interesting because there were two elements that really struck me. Number one was, first of all, um, the terms are almost interchangeable. It's like depending upon who you talk to, the person is a psychopath. And somebody else you'll talk to with the same characteristics for this patient or client or person, well, he's a sociopath. Same difference. It's almost semantics. But the second thing that struck me was I asked about the percentage not just of psychopaths to the population, and is it about the same uh, down through history, or do we have more of them today? But more so, what about the percentage of male psychopaths to female psychopaths? And he said the basic statistics are that there are rarely ever female psychopaths, and that's when we went off on, and it would be so much better if the women were running the show on all levels. Now, personally, I have no problem with that. As long as you will allow me to continue the work that I'm doing, <laughs> uh, I am, I am, I'm, I'm yours. I'm here to serve, so to speak. Uh, I grew up in a household of five sister, five uh, females, four sisters and a mother. My brother and I and my dad were only three, and so you know, there you go. But when he said that, he said that they don't have, they do not seem to have the Oh, I don't know if it's the chemistry, the DNA, the chromosomes, what have you. Uh, It's not to say that they couldn't be, but that the statistics are such that there are very few of them by comparison to male psychopaths. And that narcissism tends to go into that direction. But there was one third element that I thought was very interesting, Catherine, and I'm going to have you dive into this, whether you want to focus specifically on narcissism and then, of course, the fact that they can't be healed. But also um, the aspect, he says, that there are actually pros to narcissists. You know, as bad as they might be down through history, as we might might read about, 
they're the ones who got things done. Whether whether the ends justified the means argument, you know, I don't know. But they made things happen. They changed their world. Uh, and so there are uh, certain lessons that we could learn from psychopaths and sociopaths. But what about narcissists? Why can't they be healed? So the, it, it's really it, 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 a really good way substitute for the word narcissist is control freak. Uh-huh. And narcissists are just very acutely um, sensitive to issues of control. And um, so they're, if you try and fix them, they, they kind of elude you. So they're not wanting to change their situation because all the different methods they use are all about exerting control over other people in their environment and, and the situation around them. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's it. But they're very much overly identified with their ego self. So they're basically stuck in their shadow and they're stuck in their shadow persona. And um, it, it, so they're disconnected from the spiritual self, if that makes sense. So that's the reason why they can't be healed, because as long as they're in that, if you will, mindset, they don't care what they're doing. They're going to do it. And as, as our, uh, my guest said to me, says their whole purpose is money and power. That's their whole focus. Um, so as long as they are stuck in that, on that track, so to speak, then there is no hope. And so would you say that, that, that if they were to be presented with a, an event in their lives that might shift them out of that, and I would take, I would think it would take something rather huge to have that happen, that maybe there's a chance, uh, but slim, slim to none. Slim to none. Okay. <laughs> and I, I wrote that article about why narcissists can't be healed because sometimes people find themselves in a relationship with a narcissist and they and you think, well, if I just try harder, if I change something about myself, or if we just go to marriage counseling, yeah. it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on, I want to mention to our listeners about your website. I, and first of all, I, these are incredible. Are these all pictures of orchids and flowers that you have around your home? Or did have you been looking, uh, have you been taking shots of various places around the country, around the world, or where you live? Uh, well, it's just beautiful. I, thank you. I raise orchids in my healing room, and I have for many years. <clears throat> I, I have a, a healing room in my home, and I've lived here and raised orchids here <coughs> for 21 years. So, you know, we all have obsessions. That happens to be one of mine. There's a great quote about orchids. You can get, I think the quote is something like, you can give, get off wine, women, and fancy cards, but once you're hooked on organs, you're sunk. Yes. And, <laughs> and orchids are the most evolved flowers on the face of the earth. Mm. I use flower essences frequently in my practice, and they make incredible flower essences. But in addition to the orchids that I raise in my healing room, wherever I go, I'm always just looking for where's the beauty, where's the beauty, and really showing people that because I think once again, just like when you connect to the unconditional love of your own soul, 
you know, that's incredibly powerful for your own well-being when you connect to your light and step aside out of your pain body, even just for a moment. And when you connect, connect that, you know, the universe is this beautiful place that can change your whole outlook. Albert Einstein said that the most important question is whether or not you consider the universe to be a friendly place. And I believe that everything that happens is for your highest good, even if you don't understand it at that moment. And there's a great quote by Rumi, the poet Rumi, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically the quote is, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. <laughs> and sometimes you may be looking at your life or you may go into, be going through a difficulty and go, you know, why am I going through this? Why is this so painful? Why is this so difficult? Why am I stuck in the cult of difficult? Well, sometimes you're presented for a, a, a challenge for what I call your, it's a breakdown to breakthrough. Mm. And that if it wasn't for that particular challenge, you wouldn't step over to the other side where you get this larger picture, where you see that your soul having a human experience. And, um, again, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Mm, I like that. What's the difference? What's the difference between pain and suffering? You know, that is the title of one of my books. That's the title of my eighth book, actually, Mm -hmm. the difference between pain and suffering. And I have to share this little story for your audience because I literally lived my entire life by guidance. And one day I'm driving down the road, just like everybody else. And a thought comes in, and I, I, my guidance said, you need to write an article about the difference between pain and suffering. So when I got to the point where a place where I could write, I probably spent 30 minutes and wrote a little article about the difference between pain and suffering. Well, when I noticed my blog, KatherineKerrigan.com, literally someone read that article every day of my life, and not just a someone, lots of people. So people are really trying to understand what's the difference between pain and suffering. So pain is your physical experience. As they say, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Suffering is your emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And once you understand that emotions can shut down literally any physiological process, if you are having persistent pain, persistent illness, it's because I promise you, as a medical intuitive healer with 26 years full-time experience in natural healing, It's because there's some emotional issue that you have not yet fully resolved. And when when I do healing work, you know, I'll set the goal, you know, I'm overcoming this, I'm doing that. You know, the very next thing that I do is I find the emotion that's blocking your full expression. And when you can release the emotions that are causing you to suffer, then you can transform your pain. You also have another book that I, I want to touch upon briefly here before we uh, move on, and that is the one on social media. Uh, and I have, I've said this time and time again. I've had a Facebook page twice. I do not have one now. Uh, social media is anything but. But I have seen some examples, very few, but some, where it was it has been used for incredibly life-changing, miraculous 
purposes. Just incredible stuff. Uh, but talk to us about your book and and its uh, it and its role. Okay. Well, thank you for asking. So first of all, I've actually published not one but two books about social media. And the reason that I did that was I'm an author, and in this day and age, if you're an author and you don't do social media, then nobody finds out about you. Ah. But to answer your question, and I, I agree with you, to some people, social media is the devil. But on, uh, the other way, it's also you know a, a platform for spreading the good. So as you mentioned, I'm the host of the Natural Healing Show for UK Health Radio. Whenever I do a show... I make both a video and an audio version of that. And it's my goal, again, my life purpose is about healing, about, and that means that I've overcome incredible challenges in my own life, and I also facilitate that healing for other people. Well, I create all these videos to teach people all about natural healing. So just yesterday, I interviewed an herbologist and naturopath in England about the best herbs to deal with stress. So we put it up there on YouTube. YouTube's the second largest search engine in the world. And this is contributing to people understanding what can I do to heal myself. You know, people are looking for this information. So, you know, everything from what is Reiki, what is energy healing, you know, how does remote viewing work? <laughs> what are the chakras? How does creativity heal you? Um you know, all about plant medicines. So I'm interviewing the top healers from all over the world, and we're sharing this information. Uh, I just interviewed a gentleman who lives in the foothills of the Himalayas in India, and he spends hours every day meditating and praying and using hand mudras, and we were talking about his views of yoga. So this is using, in my view, using social media for good so that, as a collective, you know, global human audience, we can all learn about what we can do to be healthier and happier every day of our lives. Mm. Let's talk about the natural world for a few moments. Um, I personally believe that the natural world is the, with the exception of the inner teacher, the inner voice, the natural world is the greatest external teacher there is. Your I thoughts? You. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I think there, the poet William Wordsworth, he had a quote, you know, little getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. And when we can reconnect with nature, you literally reset everything. So you ground your energy to the earth, you reset your circadian rhythms to its healthy balance, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of us, we live our lives in our head, in our ego, you know, trying to be right all the time, trying to control everything and everyone around us. You know, we're on the internet all the time. You know, we're not literally relating to real time. Yeah. And, you know, when we can connect to nature and be in nature, and again, even just something as simple as appreciating the beauty of an orchid, that it just transforms your whole experience. You're back in the present moment. Um, you're back connected. You've got that straight connection from the earth all the way to the divine. Mm. And you can find balance in your own energy. 
when it comes to that energy, um, you have phrased it, it's unlimited. And I think that that's, some, uh, that's a concept that a lot of people are having trouble with uh, when it comes to energy, regardless of what form it takes. When the reality is it is limitless. Uh, the only limitation is, is us, right? Yes. Well, you, you're referring to one of my books called Unlimited Energy Now. Uh-huh. And that book is all about how to cover, uh, recover from adrenal burnout. And I wrote that book because probably the most common denominator of all my new clients is everybody's exhausted. And they've exa- they're have exhausted for many reasons, one of which is they don't know how to rebuild their chi, right? We know how to give away our chi. We know how to overwork, overexercise, do too much, think too much, worry too much, stress too much. But we don't know how to rebuild ourselves and how to connect, how to balance our energy and connect to unlimited energy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wrote about. And unlimited energy now is basic. I wrote it for people who are tired. So it's very, very simply written. And most of my books, by the way, are available as audiobooks. So, because even that book, people are like, I'm too tired to read. Well, I'm like, you can just listen to it. And it goes over everything you can do on all the levels, physical, energetic, emotional, mental, and spiritual, to restore your energy so that you can have great energy. Because the more, the higher your own personal chi, the easier it is to do whatever it is that you're here to do. To matter, be the best you. Matter of fact, I just used one of my audible credits to download... Uh, uh, your your book Unlimited Intuition now, and so we're going to circle back to where we started at the beginning of the program, and talk about how we can have that unlimited intuition, where we can, yes, we can deviate from the path that we're asked to go along, so we're maintaining free will, but at the same time, if we really want to. It's constantly, constantly guiding us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, my understanding is that you really show up and get out of the way. And what do I mean by that? When you show up, you're fully grounded in your body. To me, the word intuition means literally being in tune. And the first person you have to be in tune with is yourself. If you're not in tune with yourself and grounded in your body, you have a very hard time getting correct information about anybody. <laughs> and so, so you're talking about self-knowledge, knowing, know thyself, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. But that right. can be real scary for a lot of folks because they know what they've been through and they don't really want, they don't want to go there. I, I think that's why there's so many addict, addicts in the world is that people are having a hard time connecting with that reality. So, you know, if, if just be compassionate with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Take a break, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cut yourself some slack. Uh, Absolutely. Get out in nature. Uh, do what you can. Uh, again, as, as I said earlier, we are running these one-minute meditations here on this program, during this program, uh, at our break. So we encourage people to, uh, to take that moment or two. Just stop. You, you know, you don't even have to pull over the car. You're not going to have to. You know, this is not one of those don't operate heavy machinery here. 
it's it's a it's more of a mindset that you start getting into. If you can, great. If you can spend a moment just sitting still, then then I encourage you to do so. And I also encourage you to go to katherinekerrigan.com. We will be linked to your website on this interview as well as the previous interviews that we've had with you. And we look forward to having you back as you continue your uh, not only your writing career but your uh, medical intuitive uh, career as well and your vocation, I guess, is a better word, life's purpose. And uh, we thank you so much for sharing your time and your energy with us here on the program. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And Richard Dugan, you're so kind to have me back. Thank you. You are very welcome. And we encourage you, if you're ever here uh, in Santa Barbara, we'd love to have you in studio to to talk more about this. And and then uh, very gently, you can twist me into any pretzel form you want of yoga, uh, <laughs> as long as you can untie me. What's that? Sounds like fun. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure for whom, but needless to say, Catherine Kerrigan has been my guest, CatherineKerrigan.com, and the book we've been primarily talking about, though she has 10 books total, uh, the one we've been talking about today is Reading Your Soul. We hope that you'll get it via Amazon. As I said before, I did pick up a copy of the Audible of the Unlimited intuition now book so uh, i'm looking forward to listening to that as well and one interesting factor uh you you kept mentioning uh, paying one's taxes the interesting irony the day that we are conversing here i just finished and mailed off my federal taxes i still have to do my state and then my wives but i thought my wife's but i thought you know i think maybe it's time to go ahead and get that refund (laughs) it's not huge but i get this get this done (laughs) yeah good job I want to remind you that you have been listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I thank you so much for listening. I thank you for supporting us if you're able to do so financially and energetically. And I'm Richard Dugan, your host for Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until next time, love to lull.